0: Well, I want to thank you for being here today. We've been in a a sermon series entitled Culture Shift. For the last three weeks, we have considered some hot button issues in our culture, and these issues are threatening our families and our future. It's not like I arbitrarily chose these topics. But with the Lord's help, those topics chose me. And I didn't have much choice because the Lord led me to preach those topics. The first sermon was entitled The Truth About Truth. In this sermon, we established the fact that the Bible is our final source for faith and practice. In that sermon, we laid a groundwork, a foundation for all the sermons in this series. Remember what I kept going back to over and over again, the statement, nobody's truth trumps God's truth. And and then I preached a sermon entitled Stolen Identity. In this sermon, we focus on the efforts of the LGBTQ movement to rob both kids and even adults of their God-given identity. And we made the point in that sermon, we got to trust God and we got to be who God made us to be. And then I preached last Sunday on the sanctity of life. And we zeroed in on the controversial issue of abortion. And we learned a valuable lesson last week. We learned that we never ruin our lives by doing the right thing. And the challenge when we walked out of the door last week was to do the right thing. Well, the topic for today is racism. I know how controversial this subject is. And I'm sure by just the mention of that topic, a a, a level of tension has already developed in the room. Let let me tell you, like... uh, uh, like the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers said, R-E-L-A-X, relax, relax. All I'm going to do today is preach God's truth. And I pray that God will use it in all of our lives for his eternal glory. We begin today with a clear definition of Racism. In dictionary.com, here's the definition I discovered. Racism is a belief or doctrine that inherent differences among the various human racial groups determine cultural or individual achievement, usually involving the idea that one's own race is superior and has the right to dominate others, or that a particular racial group is inferior to the others on May the 14th 2022 Peyton Gendron walked into a grocery store in Buffalo New York and killed 10 people and wounded three others his stated goal was to kill as many black people as possible in a manifesto he had written earlier He stated that he was a white supremacist and an anti-Semite. This young man, so filled with hate, is only 18 years old. 18 years old. And his life is ruined. With this story firmly fixed in our minds, I want you to consider first today the reality of racism. Number one, the reality of racism. You may be here today and you're thinking, well, racism's not such a big deal. But it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Now, racism and prejudice go together like a hand in a glove. Prejudice is what allows one to form an opinion without gathering the facts. For instance, we can be prejudiced against people based upon the kind of car they drive. Uh, the kind of clothes they wear, the texture of their hair or their hairstyle, the tattoos they have and where those tattoos are placed, the features of their face, their first or last names, their profession, their age, their skin tones. Racism is real. According to a 2016 poll, 61% of Americans said that racism is is still a major problem for black Americans. In fact, 84% of black Americans say that they are treated less fairly than whites in dealing with the police. 75% say they are treated less fairly in the courts. 66% say they are treated less fairly when they apply for a loan or a mortgage. 64% say they are treated less fairly in the workplace. 40% of black Americans believe that discrimination is built into the nation's laws and institutions. We're talking about real people with real hurts and real fears. As a white middle-class man in a majority white culture, I need to hear what it's like for someone who is not white, middle class, who is not a white, middle class man in a majority white culture. Racism not only impacts the black culture, it also impacts the Asian culture and the Hispanic culture and the Jewish culture. In 1871, a mob in Los Angeles, Chinatown, attacked and murdered 19 Chinese residents, including a 15-year-old boy. Recently, six Asian women were killed in Atlanta in a senseless act of of racist violence. 30% of Asian Americans have been subjected to racist slurs or jokes since the onset of COVID-19. And according to a Pew Research poll, Latinos are the second most discriminated against ethnic group after African Americans. 62% of Hispanic adults say having a darker skin color hurts their ability to get ahead in America. In a study conducted by Rutgers University, 22% of Hispanic Latino workers reported experiencing workplace discrimination. No one can place the stamp made in America on this problem. Racism is a global issue that impacts all ethnicities to one degree or another. In fact, it has been plaguing the human race for thousands of years. Now let's move beyond the reality of racism and let's look at the reasons for racism. Number two, the reasons for racism. Would you believe me if I told you that one of the darling ideologies of the intellectual elites has generated a cesspool of racism and prejudice? I'm referring to Charles Darwin and his theory of evolution. Do you know what the full title of his famous work is? Now, it's, it's a long title, but the words of that title are quite revealing. It's, here's the title. On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. Now that's a mouthful. But I tell you, that title says some stuff that we need to pay close attention to. In fact, in his, his view of evolution and how it shaped mankind was really laid out in his second book, The Descent of Man. In this book, he shared how in this evolutionary process, different races developed with some of them being more developed than others. Darwin classified his own white race as more advanced than the lower organisms such as pygmies. And he labeled different races as savage, low, and degraded. He went on to elaborate in this book, The Descent of Men, some stuff that I dare not say from this pulpit. I mean, it was awful. Evolutionist Stephen J. Gould wrote this, I quote, "'Biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1859. That's when Darwin wrote his book on evolution theory. But they increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. Darwin's major blunder was the rejection of God. He rejected God. And he rejected the idea that God was the creator of everything including the human race the impact of his foolish theory and I underline the word theory it can't be proved it will never be proved scientifically because it's not true it is a theory but the impact of his foolish theory theory was certainly felt by people from Africa and from Jews among others Now, the roots of racism run deeper than Charles Darwin or Derek Chauvin or Peyton Gendron. If we keep tracing the roots of of, of racism to their very initial source, do you know what we discover? We find that racism is pampered and nourished in the human heart. You want to know where racism starts? It starts in the human heart. Sin has distorted our view of ourselves and of others. Darwin may very well be the poster child for this. He had no clue that all people have a brown colored pigment called melanin. Ken Ham wrote this description of the importance of this discovery by geneticists several years ago. He said, a person's genetic makeup determines his potential to produce a certain level of melanin. That's why we see a range of skin shades in people from light to middle brown to dark. Our differences, Ken Ham says, are only skin deep humans are not split into various races at higher and lower stages of evolution the bible makes it clear that god specially created man in his image we are all i'm going to repeat that we are all descendants of adam the first man according to 1 corinthians chapter 15 verse 45 and we're descendants of eve the mother of all the living, according to Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to make this clear. There are not multiple races among the human race. There's only one race. That's the human race. One race. And the difference in our skin tones is based upon the amount of melanin we have in our genetic makeup. Now, Paul made this point crystal clear when he spoke to the sophisticated philosophers there in Athens, Greece. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 through 27, Paul said this to those philosophers. He said, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man. Now listen to this, verse 26, very important verse. Paul says to these philosophers, 2,000 years ago he says and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us that is a powerful truth corroborated By the Bible itself, there is only one race, the human race. I I think the next time I fill out something to get on a plane or something or fill out something for a driver's license or fill out something for a passport and they ask me my race, I'm going to say human. I'm a part of the human race. And you are too. I don't care what your skin tone is. You're a part of the one human race. Now, the Bible often speaks about the source of sin in our lives. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the prophet wrote these words. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart... I test the mind, even to give each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. Can I ask you a question? Is racism and prejudice lurking around in the dark shadows of your heart? Are there people that you view as being inferior to you based upon the color of their skin? God is searching your heart this morning. Don't think he's not. And I want to tell you something. God hates racism. He hates it. He wants you to get rid of it. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about the human heart. We heard what Jeremiah the prophet said, but listen to what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 15, verses 19 through 20, Jesus said, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. Peyton Gendron, that hatred that, that came out of him that, that motivated him to kill 10 African-Americans and wound three others, I'm going to tell you, that came from his heart. It came out of his heart. Listen, racism does not start in the culture. It starts in your heart. And it is a sin against God, and it is a sin against the human race. So, so far, we've looked at the reality of racism and the reasons for racism. The reasons are these. Don't forget, evolutionary theory, I'm telling you, it opened Pandora's box to racism. And it, it was like throwing gasoline on a fire. And the second reason for racism, it, it's what's in our heart. It, it comes out of our heart. So let's look finally at the response to racism. The sin of racism hurts people. I'll tell you what, it hurts the church. The church is still bearing the scars of the racism that it supported years ago, and people still talk about it today. Racism is divisive, dehumanizing, and destructive. Since it is a heart issue, the solution will require more than man-made theories, hashtags, tweets, politics, cliches, and demonstrations. We've got to turn to God. Only God can fix our heart. And God fixes our hearts one at a time. So we've got to turn to God and to His Word for the answers we're all looking for. So let me ask you a question. Do you think that there is an answer in this book that we call the Bible for racism. I, I think there is. In fact, I want you to look with me at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and I'll begin reading with verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered themselves together. One of them, a lawyer, Ask him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. But Jesus didn't stop with that first and foremost commandment. He went on to say something else. Verse 39, he said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. On those two commandments depend the whole uh, continuity of the Bible that we cherish and we preach and we study. Listen. In this one passage, Jesus provides us with a principle that can literally transform our hearts and our lives when it comes to this matter of racism. Here is that principle. It's simple. You'll remember it. Love God and love people. Can I tell you this? If we love God and we love people, We won't have a problem with racism. We will not have a problem with racism. Now, I want to make sure you're aware of this. We can't really love people until we love God. So let me ask you a question. Do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind today? Do you love him like that? I tell you, if you do then you're well on the way to loving people, people that are different than you are. Love God and love people. Will this principle really work? Well, racism was a huge issue in the first century 2,000 years ago. In fact, during Jesus' ministry, Jews wouldn't dare go through Samaria to get to Galilee. They viewed Samaritans as idolatrous half-breeds, and they viewed them as being immoral to the core. So when a a Jew wanted to go from Jerusalem or Judea and and go north to Galilee, Samaria was in between the two, and and a a good racist Jew would, would go around Samaria to get to Galilee, but not Jesus, not Jesus. In John chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says he left Judea and went away again into Galilee. So Jesus is going from Judea to Galilee. Verse 4, interesting verse. The Bible says, and he had to pass through Samaria. And I asked my myself a question. I always ask myself a question. Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? W- why? Well, I, I believe there were a couple of reasons for that. First, he was teaching his disciples how important it was for them to get rid of their racist attitudes and actions. That's totally unacceptable with Jesus. And there was a rejected, sinful woman there who had absolutely no hope for the future or the present. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know that the gospel is for everyone, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their plight in life, regardless if they're accepted or rejected. The gospel is for everyone. And after Jesus died on the cross for our sins and was raised from the dead, he launched his church on the day of Pentecost. And guess what happened? Churches were planted in Samaria. In that hated, I, I can't explain to you how much Jews hated Samaritans and how much Samaritans hated Jews. But I'm telling you, when when the gospel was fulfilled and Christ had died on the cross and was resurrected from the dead and he ascended back to heaven, he gave the disciples a command to take the gospel everywhere and they took it to Samaria and, and, and Samaritans were saved. And guess what? And they were embraced by the New Testament church. And they were one body with one Lord and one Bible and they served God together. You see, it really works. Loving God and loving people really does work. But there was another problem in the first century. There was not only the the, the Jewish and, and the Samaritan problem, there was also the Jew and Gentile problem. They hated each other. I mean, they hated each other. Could the gospel crush this man-made racist barrier that kept people away from God? Absolutely. You know about Peter the apostle, right? Uh, he was some kind of man of God. But I'll tell you what, he had some racist tendencies. And he encountered Cornelius, a Roman centurion, in Caesarea now listen to me very carefully Cornelius was a Gentile Peter was a Jew and you know what God told Peter to do he had to tell him twice he said I want you to go to Caesarea and I want you to speak the gospel to this Roman centurion now when it first happened Peter had a vision, a vision of a sheep with all kind of unclean animals coming down before him. And, And the Spirit of God said, kill and eat. But Peter said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And you know what God said to him? He said, what I've said is clean is clean. Wow. And it was a moment for Peter. And then some folks from Caesarea, from Cornelius, came to to escort Peter back to Caesarea. And they're there knocking on the door, and, and the Holy Spirit of God says to Peter, go with them, go with them. Now, Peter was no dummy. He figured, if God tells me something twice, I better do what God tells me to do. And you know what? He did. He went with those gentlemen to Caesarea. And here's what happened. In Acts chapter 10, I'm reading from that chapter, verse 28, and then verse 34 and 35. And he said to them, this is Peter speaking to, to Cornelius and the people gathered in his house, all of whom were Gentiles. You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Verse 34, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation, I want to repeat that, in every nation, Peter said, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. It doesn't matter their socioeconomic standing in life. It doesn't matter about their appearance or what they wear Any person anywhere in the world who turns to God through faith in Jesus Christ is accepted by God. And he shows no partiality. Now listen, the kingdom of God exploded when these racial barriers between the Jews and the Samaritans and the Jews and the Gentiles were torn down. Can can I tell you something? Only Jesus can do that. You cannot legislate this kind of heart transformation. Only Jesus can do that. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16, Paul wrote these words, But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, remember the Ephesians were Gentiles, right? You who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself, Jesus himself, is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace." and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. Now listen, if, if Jesus can pull that off in Caesarea with Cornelius and Peter, if he can pull it off in Ephesus with Paul and, and the, 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 the the Gentile there who became followers of Jesus, if he could crush the dividing wall that separated the two uh groups of people. I tell you what, if he can do that in the first century, he can do it in the 21st century. I have, my, my confidence when it comes to racism is in Jesus. That's where my confidence is. Love God and love people. Lecrae, a, a Christian rapper and recording artist, was visiting Beverly Hills one day, and he needed a plain t-shirt, just a plain t-shirt. He picked one up in a pricey store, and he looked at the price tag of a plain t-shirt. You know what the price tag was? $640. He took the t-shirt. He went to the manager. He said, you got to explain something to me. And he picked up several because he would want to make sure they weren't just mistagged or something. And and he went to the manager and he said, Sir, why is this plain t-shirt $640? Does it have some kind of healing power or something? The manager replied, I quote, The designer's name is on the shirt. It's valuable because of who designed it. The value of every person you meet, red and yellow, black and white, I don't care what color they are. The value of every person you meet is determined by the grand designer, God himself. Every person you meet, whether they're a believer or not a believer, you need to understand that they are fearfully and wonderfully made in their mother's womb. And it was God the creator himself who fashioned them in their mother's womb. And the designer says they're valuable. And I tell you, on the authority of the designer, I tell you, every person is valuable to God. So here's a question. How do we love people who are different than us? They have a different ethnicity. I want you to listen to the prophet Micah. Micah chapter 6 verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So how do we love people? I think Micah gives us a good plan here. Micah says to us today, we need to pursue justice when you see injustice. We need to, number two, listen to the experiences and hurts of others. And number three, we need to avoid pride and arrogance at all costs and never look down on anybody Hey, I was talking to, to Ron McDaniel before the service. Ron and Faye have a business out there just over the line in, in Mississippi. And there's a there's a little black church out there. It's a bivocational church, bivocational pastor. It's New Sharon Baptist Church. Did I get that right, Ron? And Ron was driving by there one day, and Ron had already gone on in and met the pastor and talked with him. They even invited Ron to come to a deacon's meeting. He sat in a deacon's meet with them. Ron says 14 godly black men in that meeting. And Ron was driving by one day and he saw that the sign on the church had been destroyed. You know what Ron and Faye did? They bought that little church a new sign. Now, ladies and gentlemen, racism is a big problem in America and in the world. But I'm telling you, if we do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with our God, he will help us to love people and change hearts one person at a time. There is an answer for racism. Hey, Ron, I want to thank you for setting an example for all of us, you and Faye, for doing that. I, I know that Darlene has several black friends And boy, every time one of them has a birthday, she's baking them a strawberry cake. Her strawberry cakes are good. But it's little things. Hey, hey church. Let let me let me just share with you how God's plan develops over the course of time, what his ultimate goal is when it comes to the human race. Are you ready? In Revelation chapter 5, verse 7 through 10, the Bible says this, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God. Now hold on, hold on to you see this. And purchased for God with your blood, Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign on the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, one day we're all going to be together in heaven. Every every person who has believed in Jesus is going to be together in heaven, Amen. and we will serve the Lord our God. We will reign. Amen. On earth with Jesus, black, white, red, yellow, brown, all all skin tone, we'll be there, not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, but because Jesus died on the cross. For, he shedded blood for us. And we're there because of him. And listen, if we're going to be together and serve together in heaven, why don't we start now? Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just love God and love people?